today. Uh, last week was the last part of our 12-part series on Bible stories where we talked through a lot of the parables that Jesus told, and that was I, I really enjoyed that series. And now we are switching gears into our Christmas series. It's called Comfort and Joy. Um, if it's your first time here and you don't know me, my name is Brock, and I'm the pastor here at Agape, and uh, we're just so glad that you decided to come hang out with us this morning, and you made it through the cold and through the snow. Uh, it's actually not that cold outside, um, which is why it's snowing so bad. <laughs> but so, yeah, but we made it through the snow, and so glad that everyone was able to come out on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, this week is part one of the series, and we're doing the message is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be on Advent. Uh, it's going to be on Advent this week. We're doing an Advent in just one week. And so if you're not familiar with Advent, it simply means coming. Advent means coming. And so um, to, uh, what, what we're celebrating is, is we're, we're reminding ourselves of the celebration that Jesus has come. That's what Advent is. It's, it's a reminder that Jesus has come, um, and, and he, with him he's brought hope, he's brought peace, he's brought joy, he's brought love. And so that's why I like Advent. It reminds me of who Jesus is and why he did what he did for us and what we have access to. And so this is an encouraging, hopeful message, but um, it's going to be formatted a little bit different. For those of you who are new, I like to preach expository sermons. That's sermons where you look at a passage of Scripture and you talk about that passage. Um, I stay away from topical sermons, which is where you have different topics and, and different points, and then you have a Scripture to support your point, and it's a different Scripture from all over. Um, that's kind of more what this is because it's Advent, and so that's why I say it's going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, just be prepared for that. And I'm mentally preparing myself to not preach an expository sermon <laughs> as well. And so, yeah, let's just pray real quick before we jump into this message. Dear Jesus, uh, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you died for us. And we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that because of what you did on the cross... We have full access to your peace, full access to your joy, to your hope, and to your love. Lord, may today serve as a reminder of who you are and what you've done for us. God, and I pray this Christmas season is one that brings joy and ease to our lives and not stress and anxiety that we can put our hope and our trust in you and not in things and not in our get-togethers going well. Lord, and we do pray that your hand of favor is on the rest of the, of the Packers season. We trust you. In your name, amen. Amen. Go Packers. Um, so we have different candles here, and I've never done an Advent message before, so we're going to light the candles as we go along. And so the first candle here is this purple one, and it represents hope. This purple one, if it lights, represents hope. I should have had Connor do it and just stand here. That would have been hilarious. Um, or Brandon, he's the intern. Um, 
This first candle represents hope. And so what hope is, what I believe hope is at its essence is expectation. Hope is I'm expecting something to happen despite my circumstances or despite what this looks like. Um, I'm, I'm expecting that something will happen. Typically, it's hopefully if you're positive, it's uh, something good will happen. My hope is a good thing. My life might not look good right now, but I have hope that it's going to get better. Uh, my, my job might be horrible right now, but I have hope that I'm going to get a new boss or my boss is going to find Jesus. <laughs> um, My living situation might not be great, but I have hope that, you know what I mean? It's, it's expectation. I might not know what my purpose is, but I have hope that I will someday. I don't feel comfortable where I'm at in the season, but I have hope that it's just a season. That's hope, is, is that expectation. And it often um, is counterintuitive to your circumstance. That's the power of the hope of Jesus is that even though my circumstance or my situation right now might look dark, I have hope and that hope is what's going to lead me through this situation. This Christmas season, because of Jesus, we can be reminded that we have hope. Hope is the light at the end of the tunnel and the way that we're walking through. It's what guides us through the darkness. Hebrews 6:19 if you could throw that up on the screen says this We have this hope or we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of something <laughs> Melchizedek I love that they, he says we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. That's what hope is. The hope of Jesus is a sure and steadfast anchor. That means that when life happens and when hard situations happen to us, which they do over and over and over again, you ever feel like life is just one big storm? Um, hard situations happen, that means that I'm anchored in something, and that's the presence of God. And it's sure and it's steadfast. That means it's not moving anywhere, it's not going anywhere, so that even when the storm comes and the wind comes and the waves get high and, and your boat seems to be rocking and you think it's going to break, I know that I'm not going anywhere because I'm anchored in the presence of God. That's what hope is. And that's what we have full access to through Jesus. And so I wonder this morning, are we grabbing hold of all the hope that we have access to or are we living in the darkness and letting our circumstance speak to our soul? Because of Jesus, we have a sure and steadfast anchor So that we can be steady, we can be secure, we can stand firm, no matter what life brings. No matter how many arguments with your in-laws you're going to get in. I have hope. 
The second candle is peace. Whoa. Brandon, you're going to be up here for the next candle. Um, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything. But in everything. See how that's balanced? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, I love that it says it surpasses all understanding. Because of Jesus, we have access to a peace that's so great that it doesn't even make sense. The peace of God is so great that it surpasses. It is greater, it is beyond understanding, it is beyond comprehension. So if we have access to this peace and if Jesus brought this peace into the world and into our souls, if, if we're in relationship with him, then my question is, why are you anxious? Why are you anxious? Don't be anxious about anything. but in everything through prayer and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. I love that because what frees you from anxiety, it's impossible to, be, to follow Jesus and be free from anxiety without trust. I'm gonna say that again. It's impossible to follow Jesus and be free of anxiety without trust. Because this verse is saying that if you feel anxious, just let it be made known to God. And me just saying why I'm anxious and praying it is saying, Jesus, you got this. I trust you. And when I trust him and, and I let it be known to him, then I can let go of that anxiety and I can move on in peace. See, I have to get rid of my anxiety through trust. Anxiety at its essence, I believe, is a trust issue. When I trust God, I just have peace knowing that I told God what I need and now he's gonna work it out however he knows best. He might not work it out the way you think he's gonna work it out. He might not work it out the way he asked you to work it out, but he is gonna work it out the best way 
his way, and I have to trust him. And when that trust comes in, that's where I have access to the fullness of his peace. Now I have such peace that it doesn't even make sense. And that peace is brought on by trust, and so I can live without anxiety. I can live without worry. I can live without stress because I have peace. If we all had peace through trust, then Christmas would be a lot easier because I wouldn't feel stressed about shopping and giving you the right gift to make you feel good. I would know that you feel good because you are complete in Christ. And then I wouldn't have to receive the right gift to feel good and then feel like bummed out when I get the wrong gift, like a child, like I do every single year, uh, <laughs> because I'm fulfilled. I have peace. I don't need anything else. I have Jesus. That's, that's a way to live my life anxiety-free. Peace. The next candle is joy. And we'll stand here for 10 minutes. At least they stay lit. John 15, 9 through 11 says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his. These things I have spoken to you, listen, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I have spoke to you, Jesus is saying, that my joy may be in you, and you'll be full of joy. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't feel full of joy. I feel like I have partial joy, moments of joy, I don't feel void of joy, but sometimes I have struggle, I struggle feeling full of joy. But Jesus makes it clear that he came to make our joy complete and full in him. How? By abiding in his love. By abiding in his love. He says it simply. Abide in my love. And then at the end, the outcome is what? Full and complete joy. See, we gain access to joy through abiding. We gain access to joy through abiding. And he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Um, a lot of times we misinterpret or uh, like misapply, if that's a word, Jesus' teachings and his words. Because I don't think we fully understand. See, Jesus isn't setting up an ultimatum. He's not saying, if you do this, then you will abide in, then I'll allow you to abide in my love. 
that doesn't make sense. That's legalism. That's counterintuitive to the gospel. That's anti-Jesus. But a lot of times we read it like an ultimatum. If you keep my commands, then you're allowed to abide in my love. Just like I have to clean the kitchen (laughs) to make my wife happy. Uh, If you keep my commandments, then you'll abide in my love. But when Jesus is teaching, all the times what he says is facts about life. Jesus isn't setting up an ultimatum. He never is. That's how we misinterpret and misapply his, his, his teachings and his words. And that's how we have this strive, strive and this angst that never feels complete and we never feel good enough. That's all rooted in a misinterpretation of the teachings and the words of Jesus. Jesus does not teach in ultimatums. When Jesus speaks, he just speaks facts about life. So what Jesus is saying is literal. It's a fact. If you keep his commandments, the outcome is you'll abide in his love. That's it. When you follow Jesus, that's the fact. It's not something that you have to do to strive for. It's just how it is. So Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And then he goes on to say, by abiding in his love, that's when we'll have the full and complete joy that he came to give us. See, we will not have complete joy in anything else besides relationship to Jesus and apprenticeship under Jesus. It's about finding Jesus and then following Jesus after we find him. Accepting his his grace and his forgiveness and accepting him as Savior and Lord. And then we have to accept him and follow him as teacher. And live under his teachings and follow him well. That's what he's saying. If you keep my commandments, if you follow me well, if, if we follow him well and do what he says and live how he lived, that's how we'll be constantly abiding in his love. And I don't know about you, but I could use more of the, the, the felt presence of God in my life. It, it doesn't only have to happen when we come to church. We have full access to his presence all the time by simply following him well and being his disciple or being his apprentice. Jesus is my teacher, therefore I'm abiding in his love. And when I'm abiding in his love, I can't help. The outcome of that is full and complete joy. And that's what Jesus came on this earth and lived his life for. And that's what he died for so that we could have full and complete joy in him. So again, the challenge is, am I lacking joy? And why? If I'm lacking joy, then according to this scripture, it's not because I'm not good enough. It's not because I have to switch my political stance. It's not because I have to change my mind or my opinion. It's not because I've sinned too much. It's simply because I'm not following Jesus well. I'm not living under his teachings. Because if I keep my commandments, I'll abide in his love. And the outcome of that abiding is fullness of joy. And that's how we can walk through life.
it's crazy and it sounds like something that's impossible. And we think that, well, we, uh, yeah, we feel joy sometimes. And I get what he's saying. But no, Jesus is being literal. He wants us to have complete joy. That's the goal. And life is a process of following, following Jesus is a process of slowly becoming more like him. Living under his teaching. And then we have the outcomes that he has. Fullness of joy. It's possible. We just have to follow him well. And then that's when we abide. Am I talking to anyone this morning? Fourth candle here is love. Ten minutes later. They say that a pause on stage feels about ten times longer. So maybe that to you, that was really short, but that was about, that was like a waiting room at the doctor. <laughs> you ever notice that? And they say 4.30 is your appointment. And so you do everything you can. Get there 15 minutes early. Okay. Appointment's at 4.30. You get there 15 minutes early. And you don't go back there till at least 5.30. What is going on? Anyway. <laughs> this is why I can't do topical, because my mind's all over. John 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Here's the best part. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying that we are known by our love. We're known by our love, not by our morals, which aren't a, I'm not opposed to morals. Don't hear that. But we're not, Jesus isn't made known by our morals. Jesus isn't made known by us having the correct political stance. Jesus isn't made known by us with our correct political stance winning an argument with someone. It's not Jesus. Jesus isn't made known by us always having to stand up for ourselves, tell it to our boss, fill in the blank. Jesus isn't made known by us having to win every argument with our spouse. Jesus isn't made known by us doing a, a task list of things that make us feel better about ourselves. He's made known by our love and how well we love one another. And to me, that, that statement can either be super confining and kind of scary and juxtapose everything that you've been taught, or it can be the most freeing thing you've ever heard. What a freeing thing 
to know that Jesus is made known on this earth by how well I love people. Take all the anxiety out of posting your political opinions on Facebook and then having to follow up with all and waste all those times arguing with people and come. All that's gone. You don't need, Jesus isn't made known by that. He's made known by how you love people. He isn't made known by you striving and being religious only and not ever doing one thing wrong so that when you make a mistake, you fall on your face and and wallow in your self-pity and then walk further away from him. He isn't made known by that. He's made known by how we express his love to other people. People. That's why he came. That's the love of Jesus. That's the love that we can share and the love that we can show this season is, is by just simply showing people his love. It's freeing. So I can be a good follower of Jesus just by loving people and keeping on the path. It's as easy as that. I'm just going to keep walking, walking with Jesus. When I make a mistake, I'm going to keep walking with Jesus, and I'm just going to love people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love people. Oh, I disagree with that person. That's fine. I'm going to love that person. Oh, that person hurt me. Oh, that's fine. I'm going to love that person. Oh, that person hurt me intentionally, which is 10 times worse. That's fine. I'm going to love that person anyways. Oh, my boss has it out for me, and they're giving me extra projects and assignments, and they're not having anyone else do it. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to do the project and assignment to the best of my ability. That's how Jesus is known. That's how we follow Jesus. Well, that's why he came for us to love people. So let's do that. Again, it shouldn't be a confining thing. It should be a freeing thing to where all I have to do is out of a place of acceptance and love because God accepts you and he loves you for who you are, where you are at this moment. Out of that place, I can just pour out his love to people and follow him well. That's the love. And he sets it up by saying this, a new commandment I give you. There was old commandments in the Old Testament. But this is the new one. Love one another. See, and then he says in the previous verse that we read, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. So what commandment is he talking about? Loving people. You want to be joyful in all circumstances? You want to feel purpose and fulfillment in everything you do? It starts with loving people. Just showing Jesus' love to people practically and simply. That love leads to abiding. Abiding leads to joy. And then finally, the white candle Band, you can go ahead and make your way up. It's Jesus. 
what ties all of them together is Jesus. The birth of Jesus was the most cataclytic thing to ever happen in human history. Because Jesus came and died, we have full access to peace that surpasses all understanding, peace that's so great that it doesn't even make sense, it doesn't even add up, it's beyond comprehension. We have access to joy in fullness, fullness of joy, that in every circumstance I feel joyful because we're so full of joy that, that we bring joy into the circumstance because of what Jesus has done. We have hope despite what's going on. Even when it's dark, even when it feels like everything is falling apart and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I can believe, I can stand firm knowing that if I trust Jesus, I have hope. And that's what he came to give us is hope. And finally, love. Because he first loved us. He said, this new commandment I give you. Love as I have loved you. The greatest expression of love, the greatest example of love is the life and death of Jesus. Jesus' death signifies love that was so great that it doesn't even make sense. He says this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let's think about the implications of that. While you were still sinners, sin separates you and cuts you off from the presence of God altogether. So Jesus died for us when we were still sinners. That means now when we're in right relationship with him and God through his, his sacrifice, he can feel and it's a two-way street. But before that, Jesus died for you when you were a sinner, so we had nothing. There was no relationship. There was nothing that we had given him or available for him. He died for us while we were still sinners. Sin is the opposite of God. So we were doing and living the opposite, in complete opposition and enmity to him. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. So if Jesus loves us that much and we accept his love, then out of that, let's love people well. Christmas is all about Jesus. The story of Jesus, everything that, that he brings to us and for us. See, I believe that we're all born with this desire and this need. We don't feel complete until we're in right relation with God. God created us to be in relationship with the Creator. And then humanity sinned. It rebelled against God. And when we rebelled against God, then the relationship was broken. And so there was a set of sacrificial systems that we had to do, and that wasn't enough. We still disobeyed. We couldn't sacrifice enough. We couldn't do enough to be right with God and to be perfect. And so Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So through him, spiritually, through him in relationship with him, 
accepting him and giving my life to him, then I believe our soul comes alive because it's made complete because God doesn't see our imperfection. He only sees his son, Jesus. And so Jesus gives us full access to God, full communion with him. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he died. So if you're in here, in here this morning and maybe you followed Jesus for a long time or a little time and you fell away from him or maybe you've never given him your life. You say, this morning, I say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I give my life to you. I want to live under your teachings. I want to abide in your love. I want to feel your hope. I want your peace. I want your joy. That's you with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. No one's really looking around. You can just slip your hand up and down just saying, God, I need you today. Awesome. I'm going to just go ahead and pray over all of us. Jesus, uh, you know the hearts and the souls of the hands that were raised. I pray that you honor that this morning. And, and they're seen as right and they're seen as holy in your eyes in this moment. Saying, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. Lord, I pray that at the beginning, as the beginning of this journey of following you, something shifts in their hearts and in their spirits. And they sense that they're made new because of you. And it's a process of unleashing the new, getting rid of the old. So God, we thank you for the grace and forgiveness that you bought for us on the cross. We worship you this morning in your name. Amen.